summer breeze <laughs> makes me feel fine. Rolling through the jasmine in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hello, and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch Robcoms, and then record our thoughts and post them on the interwebs for the tens and tens of listeners listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing this fine Sunday? I'm good. Uh, enjoying another beautiful summer day from the quiet of my apartment. Of course, and, um, as is as is twenty twenty. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just enjoying uh, doing this podcast with you, buddy. How are you? Hey, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, the Blazers won yesterday, so they are officially in the playoffs. Yeah, the Blackhawks lost their third straight to Vegas, so they will soon First. be out of the playoffs. But it's okay. Vegas is pretty dang good, honestly, um, and. It was more about experience for the Blackhawks, and getting a, a win of any sort is a plus in this bubble situation. Yeah, go Vegas, uh, my birthplace. Yeah. <laughs> and the Portland Timbers last Tuesday won the MLS's back tournament, so they were the tournament champions, which is a huge thing. Like, they had this little bubble tournament to signify that they were back, and Portland just went ahead and won the damn thing. Damn right. Yeah. I mean, it may be the only tournament of its, like, of its existence ever in the league, and it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it means everything at the same time. So, fuck everyone. <laughs> the real champions are Portland Timbers. What's up? RCTID. Rose City Till I Die. <laughs> Too many letters. <laughs> Oh man, they uh, gotta they gotta sing it like the Timbers Army. Rose City till I die, Rose City till I die. Oh my God, I there's a song. I'm sure I am, Rose City till I die. Yeah, oh, damn right. Oh my God, that <laughs> will never cease to surprise me. Speaking of fandom, we watched Fever Pitch this week as oh, the shitless segue. Thank you, sir. As the shitless season continues. This was Max's choice last week. He, he heard in the if you had keen ears, you would notice that he said that we talked about three choices, but you only heard two, which was Fever Pitch and Monster in Law from Max. The third choice was the common choice that both he and I had. And at the end of this episode, you'll hear what that third choice was because I'm going to choose it. <laughs> but anyway. Max, you chose Fever Pitch. Why did you choose Fever Pitch for this week? Well, I'd only seen it once before, and I want to say I saw it not long after it came out on DVD. I think I saw it with my mom. I remember sitting down in her living room at the time and popping it in. So it must have been like (coughs) 2007, 08, sometime in early college. Mm -hmm. And I remember being absolutely... Like, just bored out of my mind with the movie. Hated it. 
It was awful. I thought it was terrible. And I, and I was even more discouraged by it because I was excited to watch it at first because it was a baseball movie mm-hmm. and to find out that it was that fucking boring and shitty, like pissed me off. So I wanted to watch it again because I remembered how much I hated it. Um, and I wanted to see, like, I, I know a lot of the movies we've watched on here have turned into a nice little reflection from our past, you know, like watching something that we hadn't seen as adults. And now we see it from an adult perspective. So I kind of wanted to do it for that reason as well. But um, yeah, this, uh, this movie's now 15 years old. Yeah. And the events of the movie are 16 years old now. And it's, um, it's all based around the Red Sox winning the World Series finally in 2005, which 2004. I had 2004, which I had completely forgotten about, obviously, because I can even get the damn year right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because 2005. A streak, a curse slash streak that was longer was then extinguished, but to much less fanfare. Oh, the White Sox? Yeah, I forgot about the White Sox. Yeah. yeah, they swept the Astros. And I think there's about a three mile radius from Guaranteed Rate Field. <laughs> that's about all the people who actually exalt that title. Everyone else outside of that three mile radius from the stadium doesn't know what you're talking about when you're talking about the 05 sweep. I would say if you want to take a map of the Chicagoland area and draw like a pie-sliced wedge that where the point of the pie slice emanates from the park and then mm-hmm. extends downward like southwesterly from the ballpark. That wedge yeah. of the southwestern suburbs, that's the extent of the entire White Sox fan base. And that wedge go like extends out into indiana like but just yeah. like the the part of indiana that's closest to illinois right it like hooks under and then eventually yeah. hooks over to indiana but so, then if you go out west to like iowa that's all cubs country oh that's yeah because the cubs have a minor league team over there in iowa that's true but the morning yeah, so uh i think they just call themselves the iowa cubs because if you just do anything in no, any you're, part of Iowa. No, you're right. I'm, I'm wondering where they're located. Do you know? Oh, I would assume Des Moines. Is there anything else in Iowa? Um, <laughs> I don't know. We're losing all of our Iowa fanship right now. <laughs> our apologies, <laughs> Iowa fans. <laughs> and White Sox fans, for that matter. Uh, they know that they, like, they're as a fan base are in the minority and they, they relish it. Yeah. It's just a fact. It's not, it's not prejudice or, or judgment or hatred. It's just, yeah. The Iowa Cubs are located in Des Moines. Okay. But none of these teams are as bad as the fucking Red Sox. (laughs) You know, I honestly didn't hate the Red Sox until they started winning. Like, so that, that goes to show you what that, how much, how deep my hatred goes for them. It's not that deep, but it, it, it got deep since 2004. Yeah, I would agree with that. There's, there's plenty to discuss there. Um, but before we do that, what we're going to do is talk about the stats of the movie. Fever Pitch, which was released as The Perfect Catch, outside of the United States and Canada for, oh, for a reason. Okay. For a reason. 
Um, it's a 2005 American romantic comedy film. It is directed by the Farley brothers, uh, Bobby and Peter. Uh, Wait, like and, any relation to Chris Farley? No, or Farley brothers. I, oh. <laughs> I it's like it's F-A-R-R-E-L-L. Fair, We're talking fairly. comedies. I immediately hear Chris Farley. So, like, I know. well, these are the guys who made. There's something about Mary. Um, they also mm. made Stuck on. So, okay, they okay. made, yeah, uh, other films, and it stars Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon. It is a remake of the night of the British 1997 film of the same name. It's a remake, huh? Wait, 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 wait. The Brits made a baseball movie. Nick Hornby, who had a who had written the original 1992 book and the 1997 screenplay adaption, acted as an executive producer for the American remake. Okay, but wait, did they wait? What? I have so I have so many questions. So the it was originally a British book and movie. Wikipedia continues. While both the book and the original 1997 film are about soccer, oh, the, 2005 ad- <laughs> the 2005 adaptation aimed specifically at the U.S. market is about baseball. Both Beaver Pitch films feature real-life dramatic sporting victories, the original focusing on Arsenal's last-minute league title win in the final game of the 1988-89 season, and the remake on the Boston Red Sox long-awaited 2004 World Series championship in 2004. So, it's called Fever Pitch in Britain or in Britain because the field if for soccer is called the pitch. No shit. Yep. And so that's why it's called the perfect catch outside of the U.S. and Canada because technically there's a film outside of the U.S. and Canada under the name Fever Pitch. Is Fever... Isn't Fever Pitch a phrase, though? That's correct. That's why they made Fever Pitch in Britain. Because what's the, the what's the phrase thing. describing? I always thought the the phrase was actually describing something related to baseball. Well, when someone says it's reading a Fever Pitch, it's like a fever temperature. It's like a hot temperature. Like things are reading a, a oh, level of excitement. Oh, 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 oh! You're right. Okay, so they they took okay. I see what they did. All right, things are bubbling to a fever pitch here. I'm caught up. I get it. I, okay. I think I get it now. Thank you, thank you for walking me through that. Okay, You're welcome, buddy. You know, that's why our tens and tens of listeners come through <laughs> to have me explain things to you carefully. Um, <laughs> I, can't be, I can't be the only one having these questions. <laughs> uh, Drew Barrymore was one of six producers, along hmm. with. Uh, Nancy Juvenin, or Juvonin. Uh, okay. She she and Drew Barrymore owned the production company Flower Films. Seriously? Why is this important? Because it's she and Jimmy Flower Fallon Films. were. Because she and Jimmy Fallon were married after two thousand seven and have two children together. Wait, what? So, what are the producers of Fever Pitch, who owns a production company with Drew Barrymore? is Jimmy Fallon's wife. Um, they, I don't know if they were dating before the movie or if they met on the movie. Um, Aww. 
but that's fucking no, they, adorable. It looks like they met on the set of Saturday Night Live. So, well, they could have uh, rekindled during the production of the movie. Yeah, or that might have been part of the reason why he got cast. It was because his <laughs> his girlfriend happened to be a producer. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, and as far as the movie is released in Boston two days before it went out nationwide, um, it was released nationwide April 8th of 2005, so right around opening day-ish time. Uh, how long is the film? Mm, hour 40. An hour and 43 minutes. That is correct. Yes. Uh, and then uh, the budget of the film was $30 million. Okay. So, wow. So, that was actually kind of pricey for back then, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing just to get rights to film with Bo- the Boston Red Sox and everything else like that and having to film so much throughout that particular season. I'm sure that just costs money just to film on location in Boston at Red Sox games. Like how much you have that goes into the logistics of that and filming at Fenway Park. Yeah. Plus she actually danced around Johnny Damon. That too. Like there were, it wasn't just some, you know, random video footage throughout the whole movie. There were a couple, they actually had to incorporate the ballplayers into the movie. Yeah. That probably costs a lot. I mean, I doubt they paid the ballplayers a lot. They probably just asked them to be in the movie and then got them a working rate. But I think it's more just like if you're going to have cameras at Fenway Park, you have to find a place to just like little things like find places to park near fucking Fenway Park and this and that. Then find a way to put that in, yada, yada, buy the tickets, all that sort of shit. Oh, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. All the coordination that has to go into it too. security and all that. Sure. Coordination equals money, man. Yeah. Everything costs something. All right. So 30 million. How much did it make in the box office? Oh, um, I don't remember hearing a lot about this movie. So I'm thinking it wasn't that popular or successful. I'm going to say around. 65 million. 50.5 million dollars. It didn't even double. Didn't double. Wow. Yeah. Um, So this film, it, I remember watching it once with my mom. And I remember when the Red Sox won the title. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember being happy for the Red Sox. Absolutely. I was pumped. (coughs) Yeah, it was one of those things where you felt like, oh, my God, I just saw history. Like, it was a damn good team, too. Like, Pedro, a young big poppy. Yeah. Like, Jason Fantic is the captain. Yeah, and the whole, like, comeback against the Yankees and all that sort of stuff. Fucking Yankees. Like, who wasn't rooting for the Red Sox? Like, it was the fucking Yankees. Mm -hmm. Like, everybody outside of New York. Right on the tail end of their whole core four thing. Yeah. With Jeter and 
Williams and Posada. When you really in Pettit, when you think about those four though, as baseball players, they're pretty cool. Oh, uh, except except for yeah. Jeter, but um, mm. <laughs> Jeter's overrated. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true Mariners fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like everything going into that 2004 season, it was just, it was like, I would say, be a new relationship. You were, you know, like your, your significant other accidentally farts in bed or something and you laugh about it initially. You know what I mean? But then when your significant other farts in bed six months later, after, you know, everything's kind of worn off and the shine's worn off of the 2004 title. Why the fuck are you farting in bed? Like, what the hell? Nasty ass, go to the restroom. This is this is not the place for this. Everything else annoys you all of a sudden. <laughs> and for me, the fan base of the Red Sox reared their ugly ass head their ugly ass inbred heads when they finally won that 04 title. Cause then they had two New England Patriots styles, actually three New England Patriots styles along with that Red Sox title. And so oh, then yeah. so Boston with a just ultra Yeah you know loud, we're the best sports city in the world. Boston forever you know, don't forget just, the the. Didn't the Bruins have a couple runs in there too? They had one, and that was in uh, uh, I want to say 2011. The but they they were in the Stanley Cup playoffs, playoffs quite a few years too, right? Like even though yeah, they, and they they would always blow it. Like when yeah. they in 2010 when the Blackhawks played the Flyers, that's because the Flyers came back from a three nothing series deficit and won four straight, including. Oh being down three, nothing in the final game and then winning four, three. I don't, I don't know if like who to root for in that matchup. Like, ugh, Philadelphia and Boston. Ugh. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's always Philadelphia. Philadelphia. <laughs> when it's Philadelphia versus Boston, it's always Philadelphia. Cause I still remember when the Eagles beat the Patriots recently in the Super Bowl. That was fantastic. Yeah. But in hockey, man, the Flyers, Flyers fans. I mean, like, they're, I like Flyers fans because they're just about pure violence. <laughs> I what? dig. What? Yeah. Chicago is getting to you a little bit. No, like, but that's like what it is. It's like Broad Street bullies. Like, that's just, that's their mentality is like, we're going to lit- we're going to beat the fuck out of you for 60 minutes. And, you know, hope that that rubber disc went into the other net while we were beating the fuck out of you for 60 minutes. <laughs> you mean the team, the players are like that, not the fans. Okay. The fans are, you know, bloodthirsty. It's like the, Roman the fans, Coliseum. Yeah. <laughs> well, with the Bruins, they're more, they're just drunk, like, constantly talking about how, like anyone who employs Brad Marchand is not going to get the benefit of the doubt from him. Just is, that's all there is to it. Is Boston is Boston the city in the U.S. that's stereotypically associated with Irish heritage? 
Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. Because <laughs> I'm just tracking what you're saying. Is like, okay, yeah, that, that tracks. No, I, I get that. Yeah. With, like the other stereotypical Irish traits. So, all right. So, yeah, with, I, I mean, but nonetheless. So, the, the point I'm trying to get to here with everything going on, and at this time, you know, the Red Sox finally getting there title along with the Patriots success and everything else. Boston's sports fandom had reached like an ultimate high in just the masturbatory nature of their fandom. They just love to just talk about being a Boston fan. Mm -hmm. Like we waited 86 years for this. Like we went through so much heartbreak for this. Like, and now we're going to let everyone know about it while we fought these championships that have been won in our city. And this is this is coming from two people that lived through another city's end of the drought. That we just happen to be fans of, yeah. In, in which the drought was longer. And yeah, I guess I guess you could say we had a bias, so maybe that made us more more tolerant. But Chicago oh. did not go through the same kind of I didn't think the same kind of uh, boisterous aftermath that Boston did after after Chicago won the World uh, <laughs> I mean, they I mean, partied. It, it was like internal, though. Like the whole city. Yeah, the down, initial the initial but, party. Yeah, the initial party. But then ever since then. Like the Cubs have just existed, the Cubs fans have existed in a way where they just expect a hundred win seasons now, right? Because right. they were so young when they won that they now expect that level of success every time. That's true. You and I are are privy to the generation around us who also yeah. like are being told by their fathers and their grandfathers and. Mothers and their grandmothers. I don't want to be sexist, but you get what I mean. Um, yes. That, like, you know, this huge drought existed and, like, you know, that they have to appreciate the tradition and the everything. And then, like, you know, like you said, a few years into their fandom, they get they get to see a championship. So now that they, they just expect that. Yeah. And, you know, it, but... At the same time, it's not really like sandwiched by anything. So it's just a you know, I I don't know. It's it's kind of fallen off over the past few years because they haven't been as successful. Like last year, they they did make the playoffs, but they lost the central play-in game and then they lost the wild card game. True. Well, then so, okay. So when did when did Boston win again the World Series? Didn't they win? So in Boston, the Boston won again in 07. 07? They, they swept the Rockies. Oh, that's right. And then they won again in 13. They beat the Cardinals in six. That's okay, yeah. And then they won again in 18. Oh, that's right. Okay, so they've won several times since, which is. Now they've come to expect World Series, and so their fans have gotten even louder and more boisterous. And yes. 
so that explains it. But that also explains why you and I rooted for them in the first World Series. I actually, now that you mentioned 2007, I, I do remember actually rooting for them in that one too. I think just because I hated the Rockies. Um, yeah, but that sounds like you. The fucking Rockies. The NL West, you can all go fuck yourselves, all right? I figure that's what it was, yeah. Um, <laughs> except San Diego. Like, I always just feel bad for you guys, but the moment you start stepping <laughs> on successful turf, you can fuck off, too. Um, uh, but, yeah, it was like... So after that, that explains why you and I have gotten so bored of seeing them win. <laughs> yeah. And also that's what, you know, coming back to the movie, that's what made this movie so distasteful ugh, for me. Yeah, yeah. It was just, it was just such a, like the, the star of the movie was being a fan of the Red Sox. Yeah. That's not a protagonist. It's not, 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 not the team, not the team, not the players, not what they were doing that year. It was being a fan of the Red Sox was the star of the movie. Yeah. And not even fucking what's his face. I don't. I don't remember. Goddamn Ben. Ben is his name. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Not even Ben's fandom. Just being a fan of the Red Sox. Yeah. Like, oh. Look at look at Yaki Way. Look at Casket Flagon. Like look at you know look at everyone coming in here. It's a summer family, you know. But uh, when you hear your family, it's just everything about this goddamn movie was like, oh, look at Boston and being a Red Sox fan. You got Dropkick Murphys singing Tessie all in the background. Yeah, <laughs> we're so unique and cool, Boston Red Sox. Fuck this movie! <laughs> Just <laughs> fuck all y'all. You're I was right. Like, you're right. It had a, it had like a propaganda esque quality. Yeah, it was it. goddamn it was propaganda, like, and like, and then the goddamn rom com is completely on the back, like on the back burner. Yeah, like, yeah. They they just like pay. They give you just enough between Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon to make you think there's a connection. But what do they really say to each other? Well, I was I was drawn into their relationship and right away I thought it was cute and I'm sitting here smiling going, "Oh my god, I like I'm rooting for them. This is cute. They seem adorable together. Like, let's see how this pans out." I'm thinking like this is looking pretty good. What do we got? Like 20 minutes left? I pause it. We're 20 minutes in. Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh, Fuck, what else is there? You've already kind of like established they've got a chemistry and a connection. I think they're going to well, yeah. do fine. What the hell yeah. else is there? Like when it's like the whole <laughs> just <laughs> the whole their relationship goes through a whole entire year. And yeah. Like and that really doesn't does a disservice to their relationship because you have to like go all the way through the courtship phase to like the whole, you know, being together, almost living together, kind of slowing down routine part of the relationship. And so because of that, the, it kind of loses its 
fever. <laughs> like it loses its hotness. Like because it's just you know, now they're just a part of each other's lives as opposed to the main aspect as a, as a rom-com. You know? Right. The the rom-com aspect of this movie was not about the the build-up to a relationship. It was about the relationship. So, like, the rom-com storyline that you and I are used to happened in True. the first 20 minutes. True. That's why I'm sitting here going, oh, that was, this is cute. Like, I'm giddy and happy for them. But then, like, after the first half hour of the movie, now they're dating. Like now you're deep in the relationship. So now this is a movie about watching them actually be in a relationship together. Yeah. And like go through, I mean, the whole movie was like that. Her dealing with his love for the Red Sox versus her, um, you know, him prioritizing, uh, you know, then balancing career versus the relationship balancing, uh, an obsession or a passion for versus the relate like it was you, we watched a movie about a relationship it was not a typical rom-com which like yeah i and, guess it's good but like fuck it was kind of you know, boring and you know what relationship we watched we watched the relationship between him and the Red Sox and his Red Sox <laughs> boys and Red Sox. That's what this is all about. Look, I, I will say it's I about, love it's about Boston. It's about that dirty water. Oh, you know what? Like Boston, <laughs> I, I would love to visit and like Wrigley is amazing. And Fenway is like the only one left on the list that I, I got to cross off. Like I want to see that so bad. I've never been in the Fenway, but I've only driven past it, but I've been to Boston before. When were you in Boston? Uh, This was before I moved to Chicago. This was like 2013 or 2014. I visited Craig there. My buddy Craig. Shout out to Craig. I visited for a weekend. We went and saw a WWE event. (laughs) But you got to drive past the, the ballpark? Yeah, I drove past the... Yeah, on the freeway past the the uh, past Sony Park. At the right. time, Craig was going to UMass Amherst, so um, which is a two-hour drive from Boston on the other side of the state. So gotcha. Yeah. So you didn't spend a whole lot of time there. Yeah, we spent a day in Amherst, and then we spent a day in uh, in Boston. But that day in Boston, we basically had enough time to go to Cheers, and then go to the TD Garden, TD Garden for uh, the uh, the WWE event. Did you have to? Did you get to interact with a lot of local Bostonians? Not really. Um, no, because like Sundays, because it, because it's like such an old like colonial like because it feels like a small town even when you're in the middle of Boston. Everything was fucking closed on a Sunday. Really. Yeah, it was just like everything was closed. Like everything was closing early. Bars were pretty much fucking empty. Like over by the TD Garden, and then because it was WWE event, that's where like family oriented. So there weren't a bunch of like twenty somethings trying to get drunk going to a WWE event like I was. Right. <laughs> but whatever. Huh. Okay. It was still cool. I can still say I went to that city. 
Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I mean, I would love to. I would love to go check it out. The history there is amazing, and of course, the baseball history there is is. I mean, just as impressive. I would there love- are, there are like the cobblestone sidewalks. Like, yeah. Well, that was that was something I loved about moving to Chicago too. Was like we've talked about this before. The history here is is second to nothing on the West Coast. Like. Mm-hmm. I mean, San Francisco has a cool history to it, a little bit in Seattle, but the West Coast is pretty—it's pretty new agey compared to the West, the rest of the U.S. You know, especially the Eastern it has all that original history to it that even a young country like the U.S. has still has a decent amount of history to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would love to check that out. The, the especially the, the colonial influences and everything—it'd be cool to see that that part of history. I've always been fascinated by history that's still around but um but yeah i could definitely do without the like bostonians (laughs) from what i've heard (laughs) like i would love to go visit and see the history and see a ball game i just don't want to deal with anyone like i don't like (laughs) leave me alone (laughs) um so what let's head back to the movie like what did you think of drew barrymore this is the first time we've had Drew Barrymore in a in a movie on the podcast. There are other Drew Barrymore rom coms. Um, there's one in particular that pops up in my head. Uh, you know, never been kissed, which I don't know when we'll do that one, but that's that's on the list. Um, um, but nonetheless, what do you think I've, of Drew Barrymore? I've never particularly been a fan of hers. Um, I, I just she's just same review for her as for the movie for me it's just she's boring she's she's, her personality and her acting roles is just kind of like it's cute and it's like a girl next door kind of vibe but it's like a boring girl next door where it's just like it's a little too just blah and um I just, I never thought of her really as a, I never thought of her as a, a rom-com or a romance lead. She never struck me as someone that had that quality. Just like Jimmy Fallon doesn't strike me as a fucking rom-com lead either, but uh, we'll get into that. <laughs> but um, Like I love Jimmy Fallon, but Jesus. Anyway. Uh, but in this movie, with that said, I, I thought she did okay. She, she was it was passable i wasn't like turned away but i mean that's that's how i'm reviewing this whole fucking movie it's like i put this movie on the list to absolutely shit on it and then i walked away from it going okay it's not it's not horrendous it's not unwatchable but it's just it's just, eh. it's just it, like, you're not missing anything by not watching it. So like, I don't know. That's kind of how like her acting is for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think that her acting in the movie is okay. You know, it, it's, it, it's, it's not bad. It's just, I mean, they, I, I feel like this role, once again, just the roles in and of themselves are not written to their full potential within the film. 
because everything comes back to the Red Sox, baby. <laughs> it's all about the Red Sox. Which, if um, it wasn't the Red Sox, I didn't mind the baseball aspect. Like, I fucking love the baseball aspect. It was a little overpowering for what I was expecting in a rom-com. But, like, I loved the way they wrote his character in terms of the baseball stuff. And, like, like I, I understood some of it. And I was like, okay, like, this is cute. I get this. It's a nice origin story, too. The whole seven-year-old just moved to yeah. Boston. Yeah of the divorce and then his uncle takes him over to and then you know leaves him the seats sort of thing yeah yeah like that's a very old school boston type situation where it's just like that's a that's a nice origin story there yeah i, I mean like I, I thought they developed the characters well i thought they they developed the baseball stuff well uh it, it had kind of decent bones to work with at least for me, like I was personally drawn to the basic bare bones, but oh my god, mm-hmm. the rest of it, like the they just like you said, they, there was potential. They just didn't they didn't care push enough it. about the yeah the yeah <laughs> like because with Drew Barrymore's character, she's a workaholic, kind of, I guess. I mean, yeah, but, like, she's working hard for a promotion sort of thing, but at the same time, I uh, I don't know. She's she's sleeping at the job, too, because, like... Yeah, where did that come from? Like, just because she got laid the night before, she's sleeping at the job? Like... Well, they went, she went to a... It was probably a weeknight game. Got, got a little too drunk. And then also had some sex after getting drunk at Fenway and probably woke up at like three or four in the morning. Like, I got to still make it back to my apartment to put on work clothes. Oh, uh, okay. Get, get over to the office. That's a good point. That's a good point. So, yeah. One of those, like, by the time you get to the office, your body's just like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> fuck everything about you right now. Yeah, because um, all you're thinking about is like, I just need to get to the office. That's all I need to do. Just get to the office. And the moment you you do, your body's like, well, we accomplished the goal. I'm shutting down. Yeah. There's like a very like slight touch on it, but why was Lindsay single? Because she was a workaholic? That's supposed to be it. But... Was she much of a workaholic? That's a, I mean, that's what it always goes back to for me. I'm just like, she was supposedly these things, but yet there wasn't a lot of evidence toward it. It was just like, we told you this, so take our word for it. <laughs> like, when it comes to the development of the male, of like the human characters. And I, mean, I, I get, she's got her laptop at the game, so I get yeah. that she's a workaholic from that standpoint, but realistically... Yeah. At least maybe nowadays, maybe in, tw- in 2005 it wasn't. But nowadays, if you're a real workaholic, you're not at the game. Yeah. Like, if she, she would just have, like, canceled on him. Yeah. 100%. So. And, like, <laughs> and, like, with Ben, it was obvious, like, what, why he was still single. Like, it's, it's very obvious why. Um. And so, 
like there's not a lot of questions about Ben, but with Ben, it's so obvious. It's so simple that it's just like, okay, well, I mean, I know kind of where he's headed, like as a, as a character, there was very little movement for him to make. And it was just like, okay, he's going to have to learn how to love her as much as he loves the Red Sox. Like that's, is going to be his story. That they also didn't, they didn't develop his character much outside of the love for baseball. Yeah. Which I get is like, yes, that is a huge, huge factor in his life. And I get that you're, that you're trying to convey that or, you know, like make that obvious. But they even say in the movie at one point, I can't remember now, but I think it's like towards the end when he's begging to have her back or something, you know, she compares it to having two sides where like one version is summer him and the other Mm -hmm. version is winter him. Yeah. So like they, they allude to that. There is another side to him besides the baseball side. Mm -hmm. You can't allude to that without showing us an entire year's worth of a relationship and not tell us who he is outside of baseball. Yeah, I, I mean, you you saw bits of it, but like not a whole lot of it. You see um, a little bit in conversation, yeah. like how he acts around her or how yeah. he socializes, and like maybe his his teaching, and it, you know, in the movie, it almost felt as if the filmmakers were inserting little events to earn him points. So that they didn't have to talk about the relationship for another 20 minutes of movie time. Which I could definitely see in retrospect if it was the other way around and they spent time on it. I could easily see you you and I both sitting here ripping that apart and saying, like, why did you waste so much time telling us this stuff? So, like, I feel like they had him stick around on the first date while she was sick and, like, clean her toilet and all that and stick around till the next morning to make sure she was okay sort of thing then put that in there to be like oh this is why he's so redeeming this is why you'd be in a relationship with him and this is why she's going to stick around for a lot of shit so we've just bought herself the next half hour to 45 minutes of the movie and then right when it was starting to turn like uh, you know it was a while ago that he cleaned her bathroom that he helped her when she was sick i don't know that all of a sudden he's with the parents at that golf club the next day like basically caddying for him and having and playing golf with them at the country club they wanted to play go, golf at. It's like, oh, that's right. He just did something else great. That's why she's with him. We're good for like another 20, 25 minutes of this movie. And, and it's just like, it was constantly like these big gestures to just keep the nagging away. And it was just like very like toxic you know, cliche relationship of uh, just get her to shut up. Let me go get her some flowers. Like that kind of attitude toward relationships. Like that's how this movie kind of felt and how that relationship kind of felt. Very I yeah. I, I don't think he was, he was doing those things with that, that with that uh, intent, but that's yeah. how it felt like the movie was being exactly. made. Exactly. Yes. The exactly. That's exactly how it was portrayed and how the movie felt. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you're right. That's totally spot on. That's it's it was such a weird it it felt forced the way they were portraying it It was like there were so many times that this shouldn't have worked 
or that it was working and it was fine, but that's all it was. It was just fine. Like, that's what I'm saying. Rewatching it from an adult perspective this time around, like I picked up on a lot of new stuff that I didn't as I, when I was in, you know, fresh out of high school and, or, or fresh out of my very first relationship of my life, you know, like, now I've been through some relationships. Now I've been in some adult relationships and there were things I picked up on that was like, oh, okay. But that was one of them where I'm sitting there going, oh my God, is this what I do in relationships? Or I, there's like all these fucking signs that I just steamroll right on past because that's what this whole fucking movie is. It's just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, like oh, he gave up the Yankees game, and you know he he was dancing at the party. So like, therefore, you know he's bought himself some more time in the movie. But then that that turns out bad. Which I get that they're maybe they're doing that to set up for the grand finale when she shows up and keeps him from making the ultimate sacrifice. You know. We see how important all these or the baseball is to him through all these little events that they show us in their relationship. But you know, I then, I don't know what what did you think of that resolution? Because like, here's what I thought: like the I don't know, like the, the whole just like the whole fucking movie. I'm sitting here trying to like. I'm trying to shit on it, but also trying to make my peace with it because it's not awful, but at the same time, it pisses me off. <laughs> so once again, here's what I thought. Uh, so as far as the the actual, the moment before when they, when they have sex after the whole gastro party and then they had that little discussion about like how it felt like. Oh, yeah. Everything else. That felt very genuine. That was like literally the, felt like the most genuine part of the movie. Like they ha- they had a few genuine their, like romantic romance, situations. Yeah. yeah, their romance felt genuine in that moment. So then he finds out about oh he missed you know the greatest quote unquote you know regular season game between the Red Sox and Yankees where they came back. He's like he's still gonna get the wild card. Like so it's just like. I, I don't understand why, you know, it's such a big deal. But then all of a sudden he, you know, realizes, oh, I just, I could have had the greatest night of my life, but I didn't. And, like, that right there is so disrespectful. Like, the way that he, within five minutes, and immediately after being inside of her, <laughs> He is now blaming her for missing out on the possibly best night of his life. It's just, it makes, like, how is she not supposed to feel, like, cheap and discarded and absolutely, like, feel like nothing? Second rate, second priority. Yeah. And it's just, like, that's, that is a breakupable offense right there. Well, and that that is what initially and that's ended, what right? leads that let's leads to their separation. Yes. Now, he does he really apologize? Not really. 
No, he shows up at her door, gets all hoity-toity about her possibly being on a double date, and then just says, I, I miss you, you know? I just like... I yeah, wanna... thinks that the grand gesture of vulnerability is going to be enough to bring her back. Yeah, like, I, you know, I love you, sort of thing. Like, and I bought, I, I bought, like, you know, like, player to be named later, like, thing. Yeah, yeah, like, just like, once again, showing gestures, but never actually saying, like, I'm sorry for what I said, because what I said was really fucking bad. What I said right. made our relationship feel like it was cheap and uh, unimportant compared to a regular season baseball game between the Red Sox and Yankees that happens 20-some times a year. Yeah. Well, in in retrospect, I, I definitely picked up on, and I didn't, I wouldn't say I enjoyed, but I respected the realism that they put into this, this relationship. There were some very real moments that I thought were, were a nice touch that they didn't rom-com the hell out of it and make everything, you know, rose colored and perfect. There were some real, because we were seeing a relationship, we were seeing some very real moments and arguments and inevitably the breakup scene, which like you said, was, was a very real breakup offense and then the aftermath could have been a rom-com moment where he storms to her door in the pouring rain shows up with the grand gesture and she takes him back into her arms and they make up and roll credits like it could have easily been that but Mm -hmm. instead they went the reality route which is like no not life is not a rom-com so this isn't always going to work and also like I will give him credit for this, that he shows up after it's 3-0 in the series. And so that's when he shows up on her doorstep, is after 3-0. And after seeing the Red Sox players having dinner. That's when he realizes, oh, I fucked up. And then he goes over. And and then she uses that as an excuse to not take him back. Yeah. And it was just like, that's clever. Like, I'll I'll give him credit for that. Because, like, that seems like a very fuckboy maneuver. We're just like, oh shit, like this probably is about to, this series probably about to end tomorrow, or very soon. So well, like, from someone who has who has done very similar behavior in his past, granted, much much younger past. Um, so I can acknowledge that the mistakes he made in this movie are those of like an early twenty year old, um, or or even younger, but. Uh, from someone who has made very similar mistakes Except or very similar, in the movie, but yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. Um, I like, I get it. I just, <laughs> it just, you have to actually own up to it. You have to apologize. Yeah. Like I get, I get his reasoning for like, Sitting there and having those thoughts to yourself, like going, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm throwing away a a perfectly good lifestyle with another human being simply because of a game that my idols are sitting over there not even taking seriously. I'm a fucking idiot. I get coming to that realization and it's it's a great moment to have that epiphany. 
But then I totally get rushing to the door and trying to explain it to your significant other. And she sees it in a totally different way. And it totally gets twisted around on you. And you go, oh, oh, yeah, I get how this is somehow worse now. Oh, (laughs) that's why you just fucking apologize. Just apologize. And then does he apologize after? No. What does he do? Another gesture. He's going to sell his tickets. I don't know that he... Did he know that was a gesture, though? Or was he just doing it because he didn't want to be reminded of her? No, he's... Well, he was going to be reminded of what he had lost, and he was going to... He was probably going to use that as a way to get back with her. I'm like, this is how much I care. I no longer have tickets. If the movie had gone on, I could definitely see him doing that. Yeah. yeah. And he was just like, you know, I... You know, I don't have the tickets and, you know, anymore. And, you know, it's because I love you. Yeah, I can't say. Why does, he, why does he sound like the Rolling Stones? I don't know. Now? I don't know. Uh, because, like, my, my Bostonian accent goes British when I get to certain vowels. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I so very, like, very fuckboy behavior you know, from, <laughs> from Ben toward Lindsay and Lindsay kind of just goes with it because, you know, she realizes, Oh, this is what he cares about. And of course, you know, she caters to him as opposed to him, you know, catering to a quote unquote normal life with her. Um, and they're going to name their kids, either Ted Williams, Reitman or Carla Yastrzemski, Reitman. Because so, She's so on board that she's now going to name her firstborn after. I, just, I don't see that. Yeah, well, that's what it was said by Al Waterman. So, I, yeah, I it just. So once again, kids, this movie is about the socks. It's about loving the <laughs> socks. Show Stephen King throwing a first pitch again. Socks. Oh God. Yeah. Like it was, it was just, it was a little too toxic. Tim Wakefield should be in the hall of fame. (laughs) Greatest knuckleballer ever. Ever. Yeah. There you go. Ever. Yeah. yeah, Ever. You got to yell the last syllable. (laughs) Manny Ramirez was above the law. He was, he was fucking Manny clean. Ramirez. He was clean when he wore a Boston Uni. Jesus. It was only when he went over to LA when he started taking the juice. <coughs> I wouldn't be surprised. The Dodgers are fuck asses, but Yeah. Imagine this was a Dodgers movie as opposed to a Red Sox movie. I would have then I would have shit all over it mercilessly. I would have burned the DVD. I would have bought a DVD just to burn it. (laughs) Take it out of circulation. Yeah. So, um, so let's talk about the kiss of the movie. Cause I think we've pretty much gone over the movie pretty well here. Is, Um, yeah. What is the kiss? I, I mean, there are a bunch of them. I would say the big kiss though is that after she runs across the field, 
and they kiss. Oh right. Um, yeah. At at the end of the movie, when uh, uh at the wall. Yeah. The yeah. The 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 typical rom com finale. Yeah. Part. Yeah. I give it a C because it's still Fenway, so it's kind of cool, but it was corny as fuck, and the kiss itself was nothing special. So I give it a C. I I I give it. I give it a C as well. It was, yeah, it was nothing spectacular. It wasn't bad, but it, it was nothing spectacular. And it is Fenway, but Jesus Christ, we're gonna pan back, and the security guards are just gonna let him keep going at it. They're gonna step away, just let him keep kissing. No, it's Ben Reitman. He's had he's been sitting in those seats for twenty three years. I know his mother. <laughs> Where are his fucking parents in this? I know his dad passed away, but Jesus. Like Wait. Wait, is this did his dad pass away or was that all a joke? No, his dad had passed away. Okay. Uh, and his dad still lived in the Jersey area. He didn't live in the Boston area because they moved to Boston with him. Oh, that's right. Uh, as far as what happens after ever after. Well, we know the Sox win more titles and become even more unbearable. Um, but what's lesser known is that Ben and Lindsay have been priced out of their seats. Now that they have kids, they don't have enough money to add the seats that they need for the kids as well. So they just ended up selling their two tickets to you know fans that became a part of the Red Sox nation in 2013. <laughs> um, you know. All so, right. All right. Now, so now Ben watches the watches them from his home. Uh, probably. In his, in his giant blue and red Barker lounger. Yeah, probably in like some suburb of Boston. Like that's like Hamptonshire North. Cod, or Massachusetts. I remember the fuck. It's got like 13 letters and eight of them are consonants. Anyway. Massachusetts, uh, everyone. Fucking Massachusetts. <laughs> if it didn't have my friends Greg and Katie over there, I'd really not like it. Are they still over there? <laughs> yeah. Okay. They're still over there, still thriving. Um, but yeah. So I think it's time for the verdict of the film. <laughs> I, I'll let it be known. This is the shit list for a reason. This it movie is. is getting killed by me. Fuck the Red Sox. Fuck them. <laughs> I don't care. This movie is just inconsequential as fuck. If, if you're a Red Sox fan, you'll probably hate it because it's too much of a chick flick and not enough Red Sox in it. If you're not a Red Sox fan, <laughs> and then if you're not a Red Sox fan... You'll probably think, why the fuck is there so much Red Sox in my rom-com? Get this off my screen. So either way, kill the movie. Don't watch it. That's a very, that's a very good review of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, again, if it wasn't the Red Sox, I loved the baseball aspect of it. Again, I thought it was a little too overpowering for a rom-com, but it was still nice. I thought the bare bones are there. I thought it's it's got a decent 
story to work with. I would have rather had seen them uh, develop a relationship first a little bit more. Um, I would have been more interested in that instead of the actual relationship itself. But, you know, once you get past some of the bare foundations of it that are good, it's just too fucking boring. It's just too fucking boring. I can pick out good qualities of it, which is more to say, or it's, it's more than I can say about other shitless movies, but it's not enough to really make it out of the shit list. It's still a kill. It's just, you're not missing anything by not watching it. So congratulations to Fever Pitch for making it on to the shit list alongside Something Borrowed and The Ugly Truth. <laughs> You've been killed by both of us. And I think our shit list should be officially movies that we both kill. So if you decide... Oh, from here on out is like... Uh... Yeah. So if you decide, then we'll retroactively go back. So The Wedding Planner is also on our shit list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was... Yeah. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, let's see if anything else. I think that was it. I think that was the first one we both killed. Yeah. So the wedding planners on our shit list as well. So we have four movies on our shit list. Um, and that is three of the three in the thirties. Um, or all of them have been the thirties actually. Uh, nonetheless. Yes. Right. So pitch, welcome to the shit list. Oh man. So what are we, what are we adding to it next week? Uh, before we get to that, our socials, uh, Bromancing the Snow Podcast. That's the Instagram handle there, Bromancing the Snow Podcast. Uh, and then uh, Instagram, Bro the Stone Pod. That's B R O T H E S T O N E P O D. And then as far as myself, you can find me on Twitter um, at Supermarket Sweep. And that's without the E in super. So S U P R, Market Sweep. Uh, and then on Instagram, uh, it's Relusa88. That's R E L U S A 88. And then Max. On Instagram, you can find me at The Lionhearted, which is T H E, period, L Y O N H E A R T E D. Perfecto Mundo. And next week, we will go over our final movie of our shitless month. Which and it's the third movie that you and I both had in mind, and I finagled it for my choice because um, I didn't want to bother thinking about another one. Um, Which I'm glad you did because I, I could not choose between three different movies that I wanted to pick. So <laughs> so next week we're watching a movie that I've actually seen before, but it was a long time ago. Failure to Launch. Yep, 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 Sorry. yep. Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew McConaughey oh, and Terry Bradshaw and Kathy Bates and Bradley Cooper. And what? Just Bradley Arthur. Cooper's in it? Yes. Oh, shit. Okay. Those names are in this movie. We will have plenty to discuss for that one. Yeah, I haven't seen um, this one since high school. So I saw it when it was in theaters with my mom, just like I saw Fever Pitch in theaters with my mom. Uh, what year was it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I thought. I think it was like late nineties, or like I mean, excuse me, late knots. So like oh eight, oh nine, that area. Oh, gotcha. So, 
Uh, um, I'm looking it up right now. 2006. Oh, okay. Well then. So it was right around the same time, actually, as uh, as Fever Pitch. A year later, yeah. yeah. So. All right. Well, uh, until then, for the tens and tens of listeners, we thank y'all for listening. And we will catch y'all next week for the conclusion of Shitless Month. Take it easy. Love you guys.